analogy for, if I may be a bit pompous, we philosophers like to think of ourselves as physicians of the soul. You're like someone who has just recovered from a serious illness. You're cured, but you're unused to being healthy. You're still worried and distraught, imagining symptoms that no longer exist. Your ailment isn't a storm, but a sort of seasickness. What you're really longing for is the greatest good available to us, that of stability. The Greeks called this state of mind well-being of the soul. I call it tranquility, or peace of mind. My treatment plan consists of helping you find it by giving you back your confidence in yourself. The fact that you admit you're in trouble is half the battle. Think how much more you'd dislike yourself if you were tangled up in lies and self-deceptions. This is true of most people, and they're the ones who are ill with self-hatred. Now let's have a look at all the splendid possibilities for havering and vacillating and punishing yourself. Some people spin around like insomniacs, changing their minds every other minute, constantly redeciding to do the thing that they had just decided not to do. Only utter exhaustion brings them to a halt. Other people are afflicted with boredom, and in order to evade it, constantly change their goals. Still others suffer from inertia and can't find the will to live as they would like. Instead, they remain stranded where they began. Others are totally in the clouds. The malady I'm describing in these different forms is one disease, dissatisfaction with yourself. These are the results. If you're indecisive, you live perpetually in a state of suspense. You find yourself doing things that you know are wrong for you. You become afraid of attempting anything that really matters. You can't control your desires, and you can't fulfill them. Here's a soul stewing in its own half-abandoned hopes. You may try to run away from life, but the paradox is that you've crashed into this state through a lack of inner resources, and this failure is what hits you when you've slunk off on your own. You've said goodbye to the pleasures of company and going out. But staying home is gloomy and isolating. To speak medically again, the symptoms become like an itch which needs to be scratched, and you learn to expect and even enjoy aggravation. You think by escaping your home, your family or your country, that you can get away from yourself as well. And so you travel. Let's go to Rome. That having failed, it's white water rafting. The country now, the city later, exchanging one setting for another. As the philosopher Lucretius said, everyone flees themselves. But of course, the reverse happens. You dog yourself, your most tedious and least loving companion. So then, my young friend, there you have it. Here is the prescription for restoring your peace of mind, for preserving it and for building immunity to the things that can take you by surprise. First of all, think yourself rich or poor. A true story. My teacher used to tell this tale. For a long time, I was in love with glitzy things. A gleam here, a gorgeous shape there, a lovely scent, and I'd be on my knees. I naively assumed that the inside was every bit as thrilling as the outside. One day, 
I happened to see a pageant of Rome's treasures, statues carved in gold and silver, elaborate jewellery, lush embroidered tapestries that were the spoils of war, platoons of elegantly costumed good-looking boys and girls drilled to perfection, and all the other exhibitions of seeming greatness that an imperial power loves to put on show. I reviewed the spectacle and asked myself, what does this parade of cash really mean? What does it do for us but inflame our sense of greed and envy? Have we assembled here for a lesson in how to covet material goods? Yet, in fact, I went away less tempted than before. I've learned to despise riches not only because they're superfluous, but because they're insignificant. In a few short hours, the procession had passed. Here was something that couldn't fill even a day. Yet it filled.